Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a program providing help and information for our caregivers who are vital to the health and welfare of so many people in our community. You can hear Caregiver SOS On Air Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She's sitting here waving at me. Thank you very much. Serves as the chair of the board of the National Council on Aging. And we are, in a few minutes, going to be dealing with a really powerful emotional topic. Joyce Coleman, who I've known literally for decades, was the former uh, head of uh, Family Violence Prevention Services, the Better Women's Shelter here in Bear County, and for, it turns out for years has been caring for her husband, Jack. He had heart problems, Parkinson's disease, dementia, and she's going to tell her story about behind-the-scenes caregiving and what that's been like for her. Right, and that's, you know, you think about domestic violence, um, and then you think about caregiving, and, and which is worse. So, you know, we're going to get that, that perspective from Joyce. And we look forward to talking to her. Before we do that, it turns out if you're in the military and you're a caregiver— Uh, There's a great deal of concern about aging military caregivers, and they've got fear of the future. They're they're running out of time. Well, this was a very interesting article that was in Stars and Stripes. Um, You know, San Antonio is a military city. There's a lot of veterans out there. Um, And this is really the, for the military community, this is really where the disabilities community has been for the last 20 years. So, you know, in the disabilities community, uh, there was a whole generation of parents that did not put their children into state hospitals or state services because, you know, at the time, uh, they didn't really agree with the, um, you know, the whole philosophy of, of giving up your child with disabilities and turning them over to the state. So they kept them from at home. And, but these are the baby boomers. And so they have a, you know, well, actually a little bit older than the baby boomers. And they've gotten to the point where many, many people who are parents of, of children with disabilities are their The children didn't, you know, have lived to be old age. And now the parents are very, parents. well, the parents have gotten very old and, and no one has ever taken care of them. So we've got a new generation of veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan who have come home with injuries that no one lived through before. So traumatic brain injury and PTSD, opioid use, missing limbs, burns, um, you know, some pretty difficult uh, situations. And a lot of the parents of these young men and women are getting older and they're asking the question, what's going to happen when I can't do this anymore? You know, what are we, what are, who's going to take care of our military veterans when their parents um, aren't there or are physically incapable so that they see aging as the big enemy of the caregiving situation because they're having to do it right now. When you were on a special assignment a couple of weeks ago and I uh, uh, filled in here without Carol, we had two guests from uh, University of Texas Health Science Center who were doing a research project looking at caregiving uh, and the military. Uh, and one of them, uh, both female, uh, one whose husband uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury uh, in Iraq, and the other who is a gold star wife whose husband uh, was killed in the uh, first Gulf War, uh, have been 
combining their efforts and looking at this very question. Well, you know, and it's something that definitely deserves a closer look. There's over a million veterans um, from the the most recent wars, and these these uh, soldiers are are young. Their spouses are young. Imagine, you know, uh, Joyce. We, we you know we're going to be talking to Joyce. Joyce she's Coleman. been a care. She's been a caregiver for years. So what what does what you know? We're asking these people to be caregivers for 30 or 40 years or for the rest of their life in the case of these parents who are getting older um and and that that's a tough road uh you know as as you know i I think joyce will attest to so thinking about um military caregivers uh you know they've already lost one income the veteran uh, who was injured who's not going to work anymore uh, you know, aging parents means that 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 person's at risk if they need full time care. And then these young these young couples, you know, that's a big strain on a marriage. Not all these marriages last no. in the face of traumatic brain injury because that's not the person that you married. You didn't sign on for thirty to forty years of caregiving duty. Wow. Um, and so, um, you know, we we're going to have to look at our aging veterans. And for those of you out there who are. Uh, military associated caregivers caring for an older veteran or a younger veteran uh, who has uh, some difficulties and challenges then uh, you know we'd like to hear from you uh, and maybe share a little bit of your story as well you can email us at radio at wellmed.net we'd love to hear from you radio at wellmed.net if you've just joined us i'm ron aaron with carol zerniel caregiver sos on air is what you are listening to on 9:30 a.m the answer speaking of caregiving uh, there's been a lot of new technologies that have come along. Are, are they providing help for caregivers? Well, the um, AARP was kind of uh, at a recent conference was talking to some folks that are in the technology field. So there's a lot of new technology, um, and about 71% of caregivers said they definitely wanted to use technology, but only 7% of caregivers are actually using it now. Wow. So we're all out there saying, oh, yes, we want technology um, but, it, you know, we're not picking it up. So why do you think that is? Fear of technology. Well, I, you know, some of us, if you're like me and you're not on Facebook and you don't tweet, and you don't do a lot of things, you know, you just, you, I don't know. I'm not technology adverse, but I'm just not, I don't have to be one of those people with the latest thing. You know, it really is the most mundane of reasons. It's we're all in a routine. We've been doing it this way. It takes time and effort to look into technology. It's like me. My laptop died two years ago when it got a virus, um, and I want to get a new laptop. I need to get a new laptop to travel with, but I'd have to stop and study what's the best laptop to get, and that just takes time and effort. So a lot of caregivers just don't have the energy. Um, But I wanted to mention a couple of technology uh, pieces that people are using that might be useful to some of our folks listening. Um, A wife that has, uh, her husband has dementia and he keeps asking the same questions over and over again. She's using Amazon Echo digital personal assistant. So this is like Siri on your iPhone. Ask that. So when, what time is it? What day is it? She's letting the little digital assistant answer those repetitive questions. Let's see her husband carry the phone around, push the button and ask Siri you know, the, equi- the Siri equivalent, what time is it? What day is it? Um, and, and just answering questions, which I thought was, you know, kind of a, a nice idea. And Siri doesn't get annoyed. And Siri doesn't get annoyed. No, no. no. And, so, and Siri doesn't always say the same thing, maybe what date or what time. But if you ask, if you say, Scotty, beam me up to Siri, you know, you get about five different answers. So it doesn't even have to be the same answer all of the time. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of in-home technology uh, that, that's, 
where you can monitor where your loved one is the house that smart house technology that people are using nimble rx um, is a delivery service for prescription drugs if you live somewhere that you don't have access to a uh, delivery of prescription drugs um you know what they were talking about is there no there's no technology right now for falls prevention but maybe one of these days there will be i don't know well you know w- we talk a lot about robots you know, so you I'm, love I, I love robots. It's the it's the technology in between. But we're going to keep our eye on this um, technology piece. So caregivers want it, but they're not using it yet. H E B will deliver prescriptions. That's our no that's cost. our local grocery store right, here yeah. in San Antonio. Here in San Antonio, and hopefully you live someplace where you can get uh, food and your prescription drugs delivered. That's when I learned to drive. My dad's drugstore driving deliveries. There you go. That's driving a stick shift Chevy. Fifty-five Chevy. Getting your getting your prescriptions the old-fashioned way, yeah. having someone's kid deliver them to you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now moving on, and by the way, uh, those technologies. If you want to read more about it, just Google. If you can Google caregiver technologies, and you get all kinds of references. So what happens? A lot of people exercise, and then you know, exercise burnout. We're, we're approaching. We're not there yet, but after the first of the year. Nine out of ten, I think, New Year's Eve resolutions are, I'm going to start exercising. And the gyms are full for at least three weeks. And then everybody stops. Well, what happens? And what happens when you stop? So I, you know, we talk a lot about exercise on this show. Because it is important. Because it, well, it is important because it's, it's bad for a mood elevator. There is nothing better to help pit, do a mood pick-me-up, reverse that depression. That's for you and the care recipient. A brisk walk, a slow walk, a little bit of getting the blood flowing does, uh, does a lot of good. But um, so, so what if you are a person who's always exercised, you've been a lifelong exercise person, you know, what happens if you stop? And that, you know, I thought this was really interesting because they, they ask a bunch of, you know, the toughest of the tough athletes who are between the age of 50 and 80 who are have been runners long distance runners for their whole lives they ask them to stop exercising for 10 days okay so one of them couldn't even make it he just couldn't do he couldn't stop exercising for 10 days so he got kicked out of the study so this is a really <laughs> small study i think only seven guys actually made it but what they did was they looked at their brains after they stopped running and after only 10 days of not exercising, there was a decline in their blood to their brain um, and different regions of the brain, particularly the hippocampus. And what's important about that is that's where Alzheimer's strikes is in the hippocampus. That's the, that's the part for memory, fact, memory function, your storage and retrieval of memories. And there was a decline in that area of the brain after only 10 days. That's not good. So that's not good. Um, you know, obviously a long-term, this is a short study, and they probably need to look at it. But, you know, if you're worried about mild cognitive impairment, if you're worried about your brain functioning, if you don't believe in exercise yet, okay, go ahead and let your brain shrivel away with no exercise. So, um, (laughs) you know, the moral of this story is keep moving, don't stop, because it really is true. Exercise, what's good for your heart is good for your brain, it's good for your brain, get moving. So keep moving. Keep moving. Now, we've just been through a period, a couple weeks ago, we had an election People stayed up till all hours. And, and of if the you night. haven't heard the results, we're not going to tell we you. We are not going to. We're tell not going to tell you. you You're going to have to know, find out. Google it. If you don't know by now, you live <laughs> on a different planet. That's right. People lost a lot of sleep. They stayed up. That was me. Yeah, that would be me too. Yeah, I had to stay up to the end. So what happens the next day? 
Well, you know what happens the next day, according to the New York Times. <laughs> if you don't get enough sleep, you overeat like oh. 385 calories more, which is the equivalent of a serving of French fries. That would be me or a frosted cupcake. So apparently the lack of sleep, it's not because of some hormone change or something in your brain like you think. It's we think that we need to reward ourselves. We didn't get enough sleep. And so because we're feeling sorry for ourselves, we reward ourselves with food. Not a good idea. No, it's really not a good idea. But tastes it does, good at the but time. But it tastes good at the time. So I don't know. Poor sleep could lead to weight gain. If you don't get enough sleep all the time, you know, weight gain could be a problem. Someone we know isn't getting a lot of sleep. Joyce Coleman joins us in a few minutes. Caring for her husband, Jack, for 30-plus years. We'll hear her backstory, a story that uh, I had no knowledge of for the longest time. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. We thank you so much for being here on Caregiver SOS On Air. On 9.30 a.m., The Answer. It's that time of year again, Medicare's annual enrollment period, from now through December 7th. It's a very important time for you to review your benefits and make sure you are on the plan that is best for you. At WellMed, we understand that all of this can be very confusing, so we work with people who can help you. The annual open enrollment period is a short one, Make certain you have the plan that is best for you. Remember the deadline is December 7th. For more information about WellMed or how to get in contact with a licensed insurance agent to review your health plan options, call toll-free 1-866-292-0360. That number again, 1-866-292-0360. It's Medicare's annual open enrollment period now through December 7th. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, and we are delighted to move right into our interview that we have been promising with Joyce Coleman, now retired but ran Family Violence Prevention Services, the Bad Women's Shelter in San Antonio from 1987 through 2003. She literally put the issue of domestic violence on the map here and across the country. And we are delighted to have her join us when I was running the Rape Crisis Center and Jewish Family and Children's Service. Uh, my path and Joyce's crossed many times, but I had no idea that there was a backstory about how much Joyce was doing as a caregiver for her family. Joyce, thanks for coming on. It's my pleasure. Thank you for asking. And I want to salute you for the incredible work you did at the Better Women's Shelter. In fact, uh, coming up again is the uh, great event, the uh, Nutcracker Sweets that you launched, uh, celebration of chocolate and raising money. Yes, yes. And it's a wonderful event. It is. Uh, I, I was struck, you and I uh, texted back and forth. I had posted a picture on Facebook of uh, uh, a piece of art that our, our good friend uh, uh, had painted of, uh, Stuart Seal had painted of our three kids, and uh, we have it hanging over our uh, fireplace at home. And, and you had commented uh, to me in a note that uh, you have a, a picture of your kids hanging in your bedroom that provides comfort for your husband, Jack, as he uh, deals increasingly with dementia. Uh, and I wrote you back and said, man, I had no idea you were dealing with this. <laughs> And tell me about it. You've been on a journey. He had Parkinson's, and you've been dealing with that as well. 
Well, Jack has had a lot of issues. In fact, I don't think any of his doctors ever thought he'd ever be alive today because of the long, it's been a long journey. We sort of laughingly in the family say he's been preparing me to be a widow since I was 40. That was more than a few years ago. But he has serious heart issues, and he's just he's a pretty patched-up fellow, as the doctor says. And so it's been a long medical journey for him, and now we're, we're dealing with uh, uh, his heart issues plus the uh, Parkinson's, and he has what they call atypical Parkinson's, of which there's nothing that they can really do to treat it, and then the dementia. And uh, I was told that the dementia would be worse than the Parkinson's, and I now believe it. <laughs> why, why is that? Well, the Parkinson's, we can deal with the movement and with therapy, et cetera, but with the dementia, there are days when he doesn't know where he is. And we made a move uh, in uh, December of 2014 up to our place at Lago Vista in um, Cedar Park, I mean, uh, near Lake Travis. We're on Lake Travis. And uh, because the house here, I could manage him. I could not manage him in our home in San Antonio, which was built in 1927 and was not ADA compliant. And so as his physical abilities became more difficult, we needed to make a change, and we did. Uh, he, he increasingly, he does not know where he is. He still thinks he's in San Antonio, or he doesn't know here, you know, what what we're doing here and how we got here, and you know, things like that. Now there are days when he's fairly lucid, but more and more we're dealing with the uh, uh, the dementia aspects of it. Well, what about your family? You know, what's your family situation? Is it is it just the two of you? Do you have other folks in the family helping out? Oh, yes. I, I actually am very blessed and very fortunate. We have a, a, a woman named Olivia that's been with us for a year and a, will soon be a year. Uh, this month actually is a year that she's been with us. She started a few days. Now she's here five days a week. And then I have a lady that comes in on Saturdays. And on Sunday, I, we, I, I, we, I have Jack alone. Uh, but uh, it's almost impossible without some help because you can't do anything. <laughs> you know, you, I can't go grocery shopping. You can't do laundry. I mean, it, because there's always a need or an issue or something that has to be addressed. So uh, uh, it, it is um, it is very, um, very uh, uh, depressing, and it's very uh, time-consuming. And uh, uh, it's not – it's. It's not that you don't want to care for your loved one, because we certainly do. We, The girls and I have done everything we can to make sure that he's comfortable and has what he needs. But um, it's it's wearing on you. <laughs> it's very wearing. If you just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernia. We're talking with Joyce Coleman. And if the name is familiar, it ought to be. She was the CEO of Family Violence Prevention Services here from 1987 through 2003. Remains active is a community volunteer working with a lot of nonprofits and uh, did an amazing job raising money and managing a, an organization that grew like gangbusters. Unfortunately, the need is so great. And then at home, nights and weekends, as you can hear, has been dealing uh, with the challenges uh, she has faced uh, because of her husband Jack's medical situation. Uh, and, and as you think about this, Joyce, uh, you obviously didn't sign on for this, but you have embraced this caregiving role well no i don't think anyone really signs on for it you know uh, i think you uh, said to me when we talked on the phone previously you know when you say in sickness and in health nobody really thinks about it when you say it but it is a commitment and it, we've been married for more than 50 years and so it, it, it's um, it, it's something that one does and what you need to do for your loved one 
if you're if you're put in this position. And for those who are listening, who are uh, beginning to walk down that path, what have you learned about yourself, and what perhaps would you do differently now, knowing what you know? I don't know. I can't say now what I would do differently. Uh, I. I uh, I, 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 my background is in speech pathology. I used to work at the hospitals and things with with stroke victims and adult aphasics. And so I, I, I have a lot of knowledge about what happens when you have neurological issues and problems like that. And he also has a lot of what they call TIAs, trans-ischemic attacks, which are many, many strokes. Mm-hmm. And so I, intellectually, I understand what's happening. I understand the medicine. I understand, you know, the personality change and all of that. But I think the thing that has struck me the most that I think I was the least prepared for was the um, the personality change. Well, and that's, that's it's so tough. You know, as another professional, um, you know, my mother has Alzheimer's, and I think I would have to agree with you. I mean, you know, my dad and I were talking the other night about how difficult it is that my mother was always so so bubbly and funny and upbeat, um, and she's, you know, currently very subdued, um, you know, a smile, uh, and it's, you know, that's about as good as it gets is a, is a small smile and, and all of that energy is just gone and it's very, it's very difficult to, to see those kinds of changes. It, it really is. My mother had Alzheimer's for 16, for 12 years. She had for 12 years and we dealt with that some, but, um, and, and that's a different relationship than with your husband. Uh, and I'm, ha- I'm having difficulty, uh, accepting, I think I guess accepting may be the word, uh, the dementia issues, uh, as I said earlier, he doesn't always know for sure where he is or where the bedroom is or where he sleeps, things like that. But he sees things. Uh, he sees work going on. He's very mad at me because I can't get the deed of trust to the properties on both sides of us because he sees them working and he says that's our property. Well, nobody's working over there. There's nothing happening on either lot, vacant lot next to us, you know. And But he sees work. He describes the equipment and all of that. And, and he gets very upset with me because I can't stop it, and I don't go out and stop it. And, and I, you know, it really that's really uh, stressing me out because he's, he's really angry with me about it. You know, I can't, I can't stop all that. And some days he says, well, I guess I'm just seeing it because other people say, well, we're not seeing it either, Jack, you know. But uh, I just really I don't think I was prepared for as much of that as I'm experiencing right now. Now, one of the and things... with mother, I could never lie to my mother. I don't think I could ever lie to my mother. And when she would imagine things, I would always try to correct her, and then she'd get upset with me. So finally, I did learn to just sort of go along with it, you know. Right. <laughs> Even though it maybe wasn't truthful, I just went along with it if she was happy about it, you know. But I haven't been able to do that yet with Jack, so... <laughs> well, Jack, let me go out there and tell him to keep those bulldozers a little quiet. I'll be back in a few minutes. <laughs> As you think about the progression, and we talked briefly about this, Joyce, the question of maybe the time has come where he just needs to be in a memory care unit. Where are you on that thought? And I know how challenging that is. Right. Tomorrow we have a hospice or transition group that's coming out to do an assessment. The doctor doesn't know for sure if she's ready to say that or not. So that's where we're at, trying to make that decision. Uh, you and I also talked about, you know, when we say we promise, 
you know, he, I made a promise I'd never put him in a nursing home because he's terrified of nursing homes. He couldn't even go visit my mother very much because he's so terrified of it. And so you make that promise, and then here we are faced with a situation. Uh, I may, it may be that I may not be able to lift him a whole lot longer, help, you know, help moving him a whole lot longer. Right. And, uh, well, so, and, you know, and I think that you're really wise, uh, you know, caregivers, we as caregivers, there's someplace inside of us that we know where, you know, the limits are, what we can and can't do. You know, and I hear you talking about your husband doesn't really know where he is. Um, and sometimes, you know, and if, if it's doing more than you can do at lifting someone who is, you know, more than you can lift is, is not doing anybody a favorite because it puts him at risk of falling and, and you at risk of your back. And so those are, these are, you know, this is in the trenches, the day-to-day things that you and other caregivers that are listening to the show, these are the things that you deal with every day. Yes. And, and Kate, and t- I understand and I know that taking care of yourself is extremely important. Uh, but trying to do that is another whole other issue. That's right. <laughs> on some days, you know, I, I do go to different events during the day when I have the healthcare provider here uh, and try to get out a little bit, but there's still that anxiety about what's happening. And, you know, um, so, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a I, I understand a whole new definition of the word weary <laughs> at this point in time. Well, when weary can be, you know, just your mind going over and over and just thinking about things. It can be the physical, but it can also just be the mental world of, am I doing everything I can? Did I do it right? I don't want to be doing it. So, Does he know who you are? Yes. <laughs> well, that's, that, that's good. That's good, because... Uh, you, that that gives you, you you've got that connection still. Yeah, I I write poetry and I you know I read a lot and I do, I do I do take some time, but that never really relieves you from the stress of what's happening in your home. You know, uh, stay with me just a minute. We're gonna come right back to you. We're talking with Joyce Coleman, the uh, uh, retired president and CEO of Family Violence Prevention Services here in Bear County and. Uh, she's been a caregiver for her husband, Jack, for the past many years. As she pointed out, he's been trying to make her a widow since she was <laughs> in her 40s. And, you know, I'm glad to say uh, you're hanging in there, but the stress has just got to be awful. We'll come back and talk with you in just a minute right here on 930 AM. The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. She's Carol Zernio. We're talking with... Joyce Coleman, the uh, former head of Family Violence Prevention Services here in Bear County. Uh, Joyce is on our caregiver uh, on-air hotline, and we're talking about uh, what she has been doing as a caregiver for her husband, Jack, for the past many years. And, and Carol, you have some wonderful stories you have shared with us about uh, your dad and dealing with your mom with Alzheimer's. Well, you know, I was, as I was listening to you, Joyce, I, I was thinking about the decision that our family made this year uh, to place my mother in a memory care unit. And when my mother was at home, she was just into everything and absolutely making my father miserable. You could not leave her alone for two minutes. Um, he went to get all his financial statements to do the taxes in the past year, and all he found was recipes. Because uh, she, she had cleaned out all the financial receipts and had filled it up with all her favorite recipe cards. Um, he had no what idea where they yeah, went. That is funny. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was funny, you know, because we laughed too, and we're like, oh, well, you send those to the IRS. But, um, you know, and my sister and I were kind of in a place that we really, really would have liked 
like to have seen her stay at home, but my father was so angry and just really over his his head. It's not that, you know, she it was just that she was just into everything. And so we moved her to a unit and this miraculous thing has happened. You know, certainly we had our ups and downs at the facility. But well, you went to war with the doctor. Well, there. we we, we yeah. had, it was it was a rough transition. Let's <laughs> yeah, just leave it did. at that. It was rough. In fact, if you make the if you make the move, Joyce, and you got a problem, call Carol. <laughs> yeah, she been knows, there, done yeah, that. She knows how Carol. to do this. Okay. But but Number we got to my list. <laughs> right, but we got to the other side of that, and you know, and all of a sudden, my father, who was so angry, can actually see past the disease that he couldn't see before. He sees my mother. And he'll say things, and he couldn't do it when she was at home. He'll say, it's not her fault. And, you know, you know, she's a sweetie. She's the best-looking woman in the facility, that's for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. And they hold hands, and he kisses her hello and goodbye. I can't remember the last time I saw my father kiss my mother hello and goodbye uh, growing up. And, you know, he's just gotten to this place where he's the husband again, and he's there to keep her company, and he can be the good guy. Um, and and be there when he wants to be there and, and do what he, and be the husband. And it's just been this really, really nice transformation for the last couple of months uh, that we've we've gotten over the, the hump, so to speak. When, you know, it's constant vigilance when somebody's in a facility that things don't go away. It's, and you still have to right, watch out. Right. But, you know, that's given my sister and I, you know, a lot of room to breathe. Um, and I can tell he is... He, you know, he was beginning to look like he was 100 years old, and he's kind of gone back to his nor- normal self right. um, since that placement took, took place. The, the girls have talked to me about that as well. We, we're, we're discussing that, and, of course, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, the, the, the man from the hospice uh, is going to come and visit and make an assessment. So uh, I suspect that I'm going to do my very best to wait till after the holidays, wait till after Christmas. But I suspect that by January we will have to make a change. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to mention that's not really on this uh, topic, but it, I, I think for anybody listening, if you're going to be faced with this situation, it's very important to get your financial affairs in, 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 in the proper form before it gets too late. Luckily, we did that. You know, when Jack was uh, uh, not hostile about the, 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 the tractors next door that aren't there, uh, we did do that. We had everything set up so that I could take care of things because we knew that we were going to be facing all of this. And I think it's very, very important. You mentioned about the income tax. You know, I mean, I have to do the income tax and gather all the stuff. So uh, it, I think it's just important that you, your credit cards and all of these things that you really don't think about are a problem uh, when, you know, it's in someone's name and then they no longer can function and then, you, you know, you've got to try to deal with that. So I was very happy that to, that we did take care of those things um, several years ago so that when we got to this point, it wouldn't be an issue because you certainly don't want to have that issue on top of all these others, you know, well, that's that we're a, discussing. That's so important, and, and I'm in such a great believer. There was a charity event last week, and, and I'm the one that bought the package with Carol Birch, who's a local elder law attorney, and my husband and I are going to go in and prepare all our documents and get things in order now just to make sure that we have everything, you know, just to the just in case because, you know, what you're seeing and what I've seen with my parents as well, well, everybody needs to have some sort of advanced directives. You really do need to have a plan regardless yes, of age. Yes. 
Carol has also made clear to her husband, Ernest, if there's a problem, you're going in the home, Ernest. Yeah, I'm I've already not- told him that. I've never <laughs> promised to never put him in a nursing home. I have promised to put him in the nursing home. That is my promise to yeah. She She has yeah. not let him on no. at all. Yeah. No, no, yeah. we're not making any yeah. false promises. Well, we here. are laughing about it, but it is important to be able to laugh about it yeah. because if not, it's just so depressing and, and disturbing to you to have to go through this, you know. Mother did was the same way. When I took her, I mean, I I had no choice. My father was deceased, and you know, and I was working with the shelter, you know, sixty hours a week, and she, and she and she stayed with us a while, and she kept running away, and so we had no choice. And she threw her fit when I took her, but then she finally did settle down, and you know, got accustomed to it. But then she kept running away. Three times the police department had to go get her and take her back to Patriot Heights, so they finally gave me notice that. I, <clears throat> They threw her out. They her in 24 hours. They threw her out. They did. She had to go to a locked facility, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like the facilities that have the, you know, the the con like the facility my mother's in is is a big square, and so she can walk and run and do it. She can just keep going, going, going. She's not going anywhere, but she they can't do. Get the, out. She can't get out, so they right. have the nice long hallways, and she just keeps it going in a square. And she, there's a courtyard in the middle, and that's good. Joyce, so my mother could get out because yeah. she did. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, so lock facilities are good for the people that flee. I thought I heard you say. You worked 50 hours a week. That for you had I heard to be, her say 60 hours a week. I was going to say, hours. it's got to be a slow week <laughs> it for was you. about 60 hours uh, a week. At least 60. <laughs> at least. And, and that was so time-consuming. But uh, as, you, as you look ahead now, and you said you write poetry. Uh, right. <laughs> are you writing about uh, Jack? Are you writing about uh, your life now? What are you writing? All of the above. <laughs> be interesting to read. Okay, I'll I'll share it with you someday. Well, that's a, and that's one of you know that's a technique, the writing technique. We use actually use that in our stress busting program for caregivers. Right, right. You know, just that 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 journaling or writing is a is a great release to get it out of you and onto something else. The first poem I ever wrote was for that very reason, because when my husband's brother, which was his, the family, was very close, we were, we're still to this day close, was killed tragically at 40 and left five children. Mm. Uh, it, it, was, it was really uh, a, a devastating uh, event for the family, and the first poem I ever wrote was about Josh. <laughs> Well, wow. I think that's a good, that's a, a, a really, it's a nice thing to do. It's a great thing to uh, do for yourself a, and also to honor the other people. And what do your uh, girls think of all this? Where are they on, on this continuum of care? Uh, they they recognize that we definitely need to make some other arrangements in the near future. Yeah, they, they, they realize it's getting to be a wee bit much for me uh, physically and emotionally. Uh and and the more the, the more that he becomes angry with me and upset about stuff. Now this morning he was pretty lucid, and we had a little discussion about something that happened yesterday before yesterday, and he was able to to deal with it, and he understood, and he he apologized. But then this afternoon he won't remember if I go in there and talk about it. Now he probably right. won't remember. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they have to be worried about you and how you're doing. He is. He is. I mean, he, Jack is a very gentle soul, very wonderful person. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you have dementia, uh, it doesn't matter how nice you were and how gentle and easy you were. He's, you know, uh, this belligerence and all, they, they can be very hostile. And uh, I dealt with some patients many years ago when I was a speech pathologist, you know, very, very hostile. 
Uh, and um, so, um, you know, it, these are just all the things that one has to deal with. And, and the relationship change, I think, is extraordinarily difficult to, from being husband and wife to being the one, the caregiver, the decision maker, the, you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's challenging, you know. Well, you know, and I think that's a really important point. It's not that every caregiving relationship is the same and and a, and a husband and a wife. I know a, a friend of mine who is a full-time caregiver for her husband says she feels more like a sister now than the wife. Um, and that's really hard for her. She doesn't really want to feel like the sister. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, that those relationship changes, uh, acknowledging them and just realizing that they exist, it's, you know, it's so important um, you know, but I was thinking about your work with family violence and, you know, that's a really difficult job, the work that you did with family violence, domestic violence, emotionally charged. Um, and, and it takes a lot, you know, a very giving person to, to be, to work with that population and then to turn around and be a caregiver. So, you know, it, is it, is it, is there a difference between what you had to, to bring to work, uh, and with these very difficult families and what you feel now in, in the difficulties in your own family? Not that it's violence, uh, but. I have to truly, honestly say that my work with uh, better women and their children was a labor of love. <laughs> it was really a labor of love, and I, uh, I, and, and we, de- I dealt with deaths and homicides. I mean, it, I, we dealt with everything. Ron can tell you because yes. he, he was involved with me on many issues. Uh, but I think the fact that it's your husband, you have a, such an, a different relationship, you know. And to have to be suddenly become the one in charge of everything, you know, and, and we used to make decisions jointly and together, and now I have to make them all, you know. And he's resentful at times, and I understand that. Um, but it's um, it's 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 been. I think this has been more stressful than uh, the the journey with Family Violence Prevention Services. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you have um, daughters and some help in the house and hospice coming in. Uh, and, I, you know, we if you ever need, if you ever want a, a caregiver, somebody from Caregiver SOS, you never need, ever need us, you know, we're certainly here for you, and we really appreciate you sharing your story um, on well, Caregiver I'm, SOS. Well, I'm, I'm happy to do so, uh, and I hope that, you know, the, the other people out there that are listening to it, you know, maybe they'll get something from it. Yes, or they will. Or at least have some questions to ask. Uh, uh I, 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 if I have a minute, I'd like to mention the fact about the painting. What struck me was that Jack has these dreams and he doesn't know where he is and all this stuff at night and he wakes me up and then we have this big painting over our bed and he, and he, multiple times he has looked up at it and he, that, that sort of stabilized him. He, he's, you know, why, why is the girl's pictures there? You know, then, and then he'll say, oh, well, I'm at home. I'm at home because you'll see the girls' pictures. And I, it's the first thing I thought of when I saw Ron hanging in a, the painting cool. of his beautiful children, you know. Oh, well, thank like you. How nice. comforting it, it has been. It's kind of an interesting interesting phenomenon. Hey, Joyce Coleman, thank you. It is so good to connect with you. And uh, Carol Sirius, if there's anything that uh, that we can do, we're here for you. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the okay. opportunity to visit with you. You take care. Bye-bye. You take care. Bye-bye. Joyce Coleman, that's quite a story, Carol. You know, it just, um, it, people will talk about authentic, you know, and you know when you hear something that's authentic. So thanks to yeah. Joyce for coming on. This is Caregiver SOS On Air. Up next, Take 10.
I'm Ron Aaron with Carol Zerniel, and Jamie Heisman joins us in a minute on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. It's that time of year again, Medicare's annual enrollment period, from now through December 7th. It's a very important time for you to review your benefits and make sure you are on the plan that is best for you. At WellMed, we understand that all of this can be very confusing, so we work with people who can help you. The annual open enrollment period is a short one. Make certain you have the plan that is best for you. Remember the deadline is December 7th. For more information about WellMed or how to get in contact with a licensed insurance agent to review your health plan options, call toll-free 1-866-292-0360. That number again, 1-866-292-0360. It's Medicare's annual open enrollment period now through December 7th. We call this Take 10, the segment that concludes our Caregiver SOS on-air program every week. We are joined by nationally known psychotherapist, Dr. Jamie Heisman, expert in caregiving and addictions, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host. I'm Ron Aaron, and I sent you an article. When I saw this in the New York Times, I said, that's Carol Zerniel. Well, the article that you sent me, Ron, was an article on mindfulness and and a cat. So if you have a cat out there... Um, you know, pick up your cat, feel the cat purring in your lap, hear the little the little sound of his happiness. You know, it was having a mindful moment with my cat. So that's like the tenth mindfulness moment that I think someone has sent me in the last two weeks. Because um, it's such I, a hot topic. Well, it is such a hot topic. And so so mindfulness and meditation and living in the now and so jamie what is the translation of all this mindfulness when it when it even affects your cat what 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 is it well let's go back to the cat because i think the cat is the important piece of this Uh, i say that because if you go to the masters like eckhart tolle or tara brock or dr andrew weil They'll say if you really want to practice mindfulness or you want to understand mindfulness, watch an animal. And it's, it's powerful. Watch a cat in this world. Watch the simplicity of movement. Watch that there's not a reflection of guilt and shame and, and anger. And, and, and just watch their, their level of being able to let go and the acceptance. I don't know if there's an animal. I'm a little partial here because I, I am a cat guy for, for odd reasons. Um, but I think watching my cat teaches me what it'd be wonderful as a human being to emulate in this world of mindfulness. That's right. I just want to roll in the dirt like my one cat um, <laughs> and then want to come in the house and shake dirt all over the place. <laughs> well, you know, you watch a dog or you watch a cat with, a, let's say, a lame leg or, or in, you know, some sort of malady or some sort of disability. Um, they don't really even notice it. They still go on with life in the way that they live in the moment. They don't, you don't see the stress having a damaging effect on their existence. Um, you can see that their physical health is, is really challenged. Uh, you don't see their emotional health following suit. Um, so there's really wonderful things you can learn by, by watching animals. And you don't see them do what our little three- and five-year-olds do, 
and that's look at themselves in a mirror and make funny faces. Dogs and cats pay no attention to their own image. Absolutely. The, the, the narcissism does not exist there. And, and in, in terms of my daughter, who, who you know, there, there's a interesting issue with her is that she's very hard on herself. I mean, I, we don't have to ever really be difficult on her or, or to, to give her added pressure. I mean, she, when she's not doing something correctly in terms of grammar or at school or whatnot, sometimes she will, she'll break down until she gets it right. And, and, you know, cats don't do that. I mean, mindfulness basically is coming back to the present moment. Let's just explain this for the listeners here. Um, and the easiest way to reconnect with, with yourself is to connect with your breath or come or understand your body. Um, I've taken courses in the mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's a fabulous technique that's done with diseases and there are people either who have a disease or even caregivers who are dealing with somebody with a disease. And it tries to get them where they're present. They use meditation. They use yoga. Uh, and they use the power of a group setting to discuss it. Well, in my understanding is that yoga, meditation, mindfulness, these are, you're not going to get it right. I mean, you're not going to just sit down and be one with the universe. That there's actually uh, some practice, you have to practice uh, really getting into that, you know, into the moment. You, you really do, Carol, and, and it really is about that. There is no silver bullet in the world of mindfulness. In fact, uh, the, the real gurus have done this for many, many, many years. Um, you can you're, you can feel effects of it early on if you, if you begin it. Um, it's it's not an easy deal. It's just like any other sort of thing, like going to the gym or, or practicing some sort of you know difficult sort of uh, activity. Mindfulness stress reduction requires you to have a diligence, if you will, and and, and the consistency. Um, and to understand, I mean, there's a, there's an acronym that, that, that there's an exercise that your listeners could understand. It's called STOP, which is stop what you're doing for a moment. You know, the T is take a breath. Uh, the O is observe your thoughts. And then the P is to proceed to something that will be helpful to you, whether that's finding, you know, a friend to talk to or eating a nutritious meal or, or stretching to relieve body tension. So it just... What can bring you back in the moment doesn't have one foot into anxiety of tomorrow or fears of yesterday. Or it just brings you back to this moment of acceptance. It's leaning in to the anxiety. You've just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Take 10 on 9.30 a.m. The Answer with Dr. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zerniel, and me, Ron Aaron. So we're, we're talking about mindfulness, and we're talking about clearing away everything else out of our our thoughts the the what i have to do next the medication management the next doctor's appointment the somebody needs changing the bed needs cleaning the whatever it is that's next Declutter. or or the everything that i've been exhausted and i've done and just being being here now being in this moment um and just kind of feeling yourself being in the moment as opposed to being 50 different places at once what it can help you actually be more engaged with people and your loved one, if you will, you, you carry, and also allow them to feel safe, that you're not frenetic, you're not frantic. In fact, mindfulness is pretty much the, the antidote, if you will, some would say, you know, the, the exact opposite of multitasking. Multitasking is not really, we all kind of 
make a heroic thing out of it. But but there's not a lot of great productivity that comes out of that. And what mindfulness does is it really simplifies life and allows you to, to be more engaged with people and activities and be engaged with yourself and and have a tool to deal with life's troubles. Well, and there's research that shows that multitasking, A, like you said, isn't productive, but it's actually not good for you, and your brain actually doesn't do it. You're really going between... We kid ourselves. We're, we're, going, we're thinking one thing at a time, and we're rapidly switching between things, whereas the mindfulness, as I hear you describing it, allows us the pleasure of being in just think, one train of thought. Uh, it is, and it does. And I'm so looking forward uh, to to talking, you know, for the foundation. I, I know uh, at all times you, you bring up the constantfulness and, and the caregiver SOSs, and I love speaking on caregiver teleconnection about it. But if we could bring any technique to ourselves to relieve caregiver stress, uh, that cat, emulating that cat, uh, trying to be like that cat in the moment, is, is the simple technique that has powerful results. Cats do it naturally, though. People don't. Sure. Dogs do as well. Don't kid yourself. Oh, I, I know. Mean, you, you're right. Uh, you watch any animal, you know, watch any plant, anything that naturally kind of grows in, in its own sort of way. And we have kind of complicated things greatly. Don't forget that we are just human beings, and, and uh, what we do is we bring in these sort of old tapes from the past and uh, these old tapes from our past is really what really keeps us from from becoming mindful and, and it adds to our stress and i know that that carol uh, who runs a fabulous program of stress busting tools for for caregivers and i'm sure the practice of mindfulness is a part of that so if someone wanted to get to learn more about mindfulness should they just google mindfulness do you know of any websites in particular that were that that might be better than others in terms of thinking about, you know, or, or learning about mindfulness? I would definitely, this, my first thing is start where I think the masters have started, the, the originators started. I'm not talking about 2,600 years ago in the world of Buddhism and India and, and China. I'm talking about here in the United States. Go to, uh, put in MBR in your machine, the Google machine, or mindfulness-based stress reduction, or put in the name John Kabat-Zinn, spelled K-A-B-A-T-Z-I-N-N, who at the University of Massachusetts started mindfulness in medicine and healthcare. Uh, those are great places to start because you'll find out that you know his work will then lead to other sort of cool places too. Um, we are now adapting mindfulness as the burnout of our society becomes so much more pronounced and. And uh, that's a great place to start, mindfulness-based stress reduction. Well, we're going to stop you right there because we are flat out of time. We thank you so much, Dr. Jamie Heisman. And for those of you interested, he gave you some leads. Mindfulness is something that uh, more and more folks are recommending all of us practice, much like meditation. Spend some time in your own head, and we'll see where it leads us. Thank you for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron for Carol Zernil and Dr. Jamie Heisman. You can hear podcasts of these shows at caregiversos.org. We thank you for joining us on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel, for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air, 
on 9:30 a.m. The answer. It's that time of year again. Medicare's annual enrollment period from now through December 7th. It's a very important time for you to review your benefits and make sure you are on the plan that is best for you. At WellMed, we understand that all of this can be very confusing, so we work with people who can help you. The annual open enrollment period is a short one. Make certain you have the plan that is best for you. Remember the deadline is December 7th. For more information about WellMed or how to get in contact with a licensed insurance agent to review your health plan options, call toll-free 1-866-292-0360. That number again, 1-866-292-0360. It's Medicare's annual open enrollment period now through December 7th.